Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am happy to have you here today as we connect with Dan Cadmus. Dan has a story to share and also, we're going to talk about some of the things he's doing now with his experiences. And so I'm just excited to be able to sit down virtually with him and bring him to you. So, Dan, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Gormy. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Cool. Well, I'm glad that you're here, man. Let's, let's get right into it, man. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Mm. Um, well, first and foremost, I guess um, I've lost 180 pounds, um, overcame food addiction, uh, a lot of anxiety, depression, stuff like that. Um, as, as far as my story goes, I, I guess my entire life has been, um, I guess like identity gained and lost and using food as a coping mechanism. Um, so, you know, I, I've struggled with my weight my whole life. Um, was involved heavily in baseball and sports as a kid, multiple teams, that sort of deal. And that was pretty much my whole life. So that, that kept it at bay for the most part. But even then, you know, I was always the big kid on the team, uh, that kind of situation. So uh, injured my elbow, elbow in high school. That kind of changed things. My hopes of playing in college uh, kind of went away. And that was my first real, real experience with, um, with really just food addiction, obesity, mental health issues. And um, using food to escape and, and as a, a coping mechanism, for sure. And, and so as um, as I got older, through my late teens and then into my 20s, um, things just kind of progressively got worse and worse, unraveled, um, weight went up and up, still using food to kind of run away from my problems, escape, like I said. Um, surprisingly enough, had a brief uh, stint in... Uh, or, or a brief music career, and that was, again, like, a an identity gained. And, and that kind of fed into all of the unhealthy ways that I was living and, and just made them way worse. So I kind of became, I guess, this, you know, cartoon character version of myself, um, heavy drinking, party animal type of thing. And um, when the mental health issues, I guess, brought that to a screeching halt also then that's another, you know, identity gained and lost. And uh, so another way to use food and substances as a coping mechanism. And, and so that continued throughout my 20s, dealing with the repercussions of that. Um, and I guess to kind of, you know, speed things up, ended up kind of running away from my problems again, you know, a continual theme throughout, I guess, my, my journey. Um, moved... I live in New York now. I moved to Cincinnati with some friends uh, who moved there after college. Kind of new start. 
thought in my mind, you know, running away from the quote-unquote failure with music that I had in New York, and instead I was just a in a new place with the same problems, right? So, um, again, my ways of dealing with my problems still double down on the same exact things, uh, continue to gain weight, and I guess I finally hit a breaking point, uh, broke and um, jobless, still was looking for a job, like just kind of a real, real low point. And it was the spark I needed to kind of get things going. And uh, I ended up founding, uh, finding meditation. That was kind of what I used as a little bit of a replacement for the food aspect of things, keep these demons, so to speak, at bay. And, and that was definitely the, uh, the spark for everything that mm -hmm. followed. And now let, let's talk a little bit about kind of coming up to that point. Like, uh, I'm curious, you know, because you can reflect now on what you were using food for and other substances for, you know, over that time as you were growing up and developing, you know, like you said, finding identities and losing identities and finding identities. Like, how conscious were you during that time of of what was happening in terms of your relationship with food? Was it something that felt like a constant battle or was it were there periods where it was just you let it be what it was so as far as knowing that that's what i was doing absolutely no idea um it, it was just kind of i almost describe it as um like autopilot where it's just that's just how you how you operate right um as far as the constant struggle goes i mean ever since those high school baseball days, I had been just forever trying to lose weight. Um, so as far as that goes, the weight loss thing was a constant struggle. And it's, you know, the, the usual um, kind of cycle of, you know, losing X amount of pounds, falling off track a couple months later, gaining it all back and then some. So so that was the struggle for sure. Which I think makes sense. I, I think it's, it's not like first attempt at losing weight, we all of a sudden magically have awareness of everything that we're right. doing, you know, like developing that, you know, comes in a lot of ways with that, almost like the experimentation of it all and the work needs to be done. Like when you say you, you hit that point where you, where you realize you needed to make change, what, what was different that time? You know, was it getting into meditation? Was that really, you think something that drove that experience like to actually be productive for you like where what do you attribute to kind of seeing that as like a, a turning point yeah so so the the rock bottom low point i think was was the like the spark for it all but meditation was what made it all possible so so the like i i was very um very skeptical and and somewhat you know of a, a negative thinking person before uh you know this whole kind of journey so i i had put things like meditation in, in a certain box and, you know, kind of thought of them as nonsense. And, and so the desperation of that extreme low point and, and by extreme low point, I mean, literally like in a McDonald's parking lot, binge eating McDonald's crying, my dashboard lights all lit up, like no, uh, no money, no anything. You know what I mean? I, I guess I, I had built up this move to be the thing that would solve everything. And when it wasn't, uh, I, I, it just like all hit me at once. Again, I had built up my savings a little bit. That was dwindling down. So it was just that extreme low point made me desperate enough to 
like I had heard about this app called Headspace, um, and it made me desperate enough to go try it. And I say desperate enough because again, I I just I thought of it as nonsense. And and at that point, I was just willing to try anything to kind of uh, help, you know. Oh, for sure. And so, what? How did things progress from there? Yeah, uh, you mentioned the awareness before, and I think that is like by far square one the place to start with with any change, any type of transformation. And, and I think that lack of awareness is the reason I spent so many years in that continuous on again, off again cycle. Mm. Um, and, and that's what the meditation gave to me. First and foremost, it was just a way to like deal with the anxiety, the constant every single day anxiety in my head. And f- for the first time in my life, I had tools to deal with that. Um, but then after, you know, a couple weeks and, and then a month and, and, as it started to, as I used it as like a daily coping mechanism and, and almost a replacement um, for food, then it kind of came that awareness and realizing, wow, like I, I, I once used this and now I use this, you know, noticing the change, noticing my tendencies, triggers, that kind of thing. Well, I think that makes I, I think that makes sense, and, and there there's something powerful that comes through getting getting finding something that helps you work through those things. And, and starting to get to that place. So what was, because I, I think this is something that people relate to, you know, when they hear people talk about this part of their story, like what was your relationship with food like before you started to make change? Um, it, it was, it was definitely, so it's funny because like, it, it's not necessarily something I like hid, like it, for example, like going out to dinner with friends or whatever like that, it's, it's not like I would not eat a lot even like when I went out with friends. But in addition to that, there was so much, um, you know, as I look back on it, like doing it in private by myself, hiding wrappers, uh, like shame and embarrassment that came with it. So like there, there was always this like end of the night type of thing you know, when, when you're when you're by yourself and those thoughts start to kind of unravel and go crazy, you know, like I said, autopilot, I would find myself in the kitchen, you know, binging kind of like this, you know, binge tornado, changing flavor profiles, grabbing this, grabbing that. And, and obviously there was a level of shame involved because, like I said, uh, burying wrappers in the bottom of the, the garbage, like that sort of thing. So, like, on, on one hand, I was open about it. Um, and on the other hand, there was like the shame and embarrassment involved as well. Um, and and I also will say as far as like, uh, one thing I definitely remember is almost this, um, almost like a, a panic or, or just an anxiety over, will I have enough? Like I remember sitting down to eat at like a family dinner and kind of scoping out the table and will I be able to get seconds or whatever and or even like menu at a restaurant looking over the menu trying to think will this be enough should I add on this that type of thing no I I definitely get that and I I think the way I discussed it with someone before was what it's like when you're in that position you know when those are the thoughts that go through your head and like you're having pizza with friends and one of the first things you immediately do is count the number of people and count the number of slices of pizza in the room and try to figure out like what's going to look like, you know, how much are you going to get? Are you going to get enough? Like you become an immediate math wizard 
you know, in situations yeah. along those lines, like, right. okay, like what's, well, how is this going to turn out? You know, I think it's, it's something that happens there. And I, I'm curious, you know, with that, you know, with the, the private binging, you know, the kind of the, cause there's the public face and the, and the private side of it, you know, and there's, like you said, the shame involved with it. Was it also, you know, was it like, cause I, I've talked to a lot of guests and I think from my own experience, like that, that part of it, you know, almost becomes like chasing a high. Like the thrill, the vicariousness of it, you know, the planning of it, like all of those things just generate this kind of energy that you, you're not finding anywhere else. Absolutely. I, I will say too, um, like the thrill of it type of thing would always come after one of those like weight loss cycles of, you know, like white knuckling it for a couple months you know, we all have these misconceptions of what weight loss has to be. And so I think a lot of us will go crazy balls to the wall for a couple of months. You'll, you know, nothing but chicken and broccoli type of thing. At least that, that was my situation was in order to do this, I had to go all in. And I think that w what you said, the thrill of it and that high came on the downswing of that. When you finally reach that breaking point where you like, you just say, screw it and you go crazy. That, a hundred percent was a high without a doubt. Oh, it's well, especially when you've been white knuckling it, it's almost like you're bottling everything up. And then when you allow yourself to open that door again, there's, it's almost like euphoria. Like it's, it is, it's a classic high, but like you said, there's an intensity to it that comes, you know, and then, then, the, you know, in that intensity, you know, at least in my experience, eventually fades because now you're just doing it, you know, doing it all the time again and allowing it to happen. And it's not, there, there isn't that transgression of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very easy when you get into that like binge restrict type of cycle mm -hmm. for, you know, even if you tell yourself, like you said, after white knuckling it for so long, like you, you even tell yourself, Oh, I'm just going to do this and then come back. And it's, it's a slippery slope. I think for many of us where that, you know, that one day turns into two, turns into a week, turns into how did I get here? You know? Oh, yeah. So as you, you're worked on working on that awareness and you got into using the headspace app and finding the power of, of meditation, what, what were the other changes you're making looking like? Like, cause obviously as, as powerful as a tool as meditation is, you're not meditating 180 pounds off. You know, right in and of itself it's it's a part of it but yeah. what you know what was the approach that worked for you in in the end yeah um so it's i mean i think like many people it, it's evolved so much over time um you know what meditating and developing the awareness was like i i, I give it so much credit for the transformation itself because it definitely was the starting point um, but coincidentally, I got a job at FedEx, um, only like a week or so after I found meditation. So that was like another kind of big weight off the shoulders, um, you know, kind of obviously paying your bills is, is a pretty big stress, right? Um, but the physical nature of FedEx also, for the first time since you know, high school baseball, I was actually getting some exercise out there, throwing boxes on a belt, that type of deal, um, working in the warehouse. And I started off with this idea that I was going to eat um, well during the week. And again, still that chicken and broccoli type of 
um, approach. And then the weekends, I would do whatever I wanted. And that, surprisingly enough, I think with the um, the physical activity at FedEx, that that got me pretty far. And that that all of a sudden, within a pretty short amount of time, I had you know I'd lost. 30 to 40 pounds, which is uh, more than I had really ever lost um, in the last however many years of attempting it. Um, so th- that momentum that was built, I-, I decided to just go with it. And I started to develop a real interest in nutrition, in um, just trying different approaches. And, and you know, eventually with that uh, kind of approach of what I, like strict during the week, whatever on the weekends, obviously that slippery slope type of concept crept in. And um, I, I'd say number one though, like the, the, the biggest difference in this attempt and this journey versus all the failed attempts before it. And I think it comes from that awareness was my ability to accept what had happened over the weekend, get, or, 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 or the, the past day or whatever it was and get right back on the horse the next day. Um, before that it, it had been that all or nothing mentality of, screw it, things are just always going to be back the way they were, uh, I'm never going to be able to do this, and you just, you know, fall right into the bad habits, and, and um, that above everything else, that, that resilience, I think, is a muscle that, that you can train, and, and I think that proof to myself that no matter how many times I fell off the wagon I could get back on was such a, uh, like, just a, a big, big contributor towards my success, and, and also, like, built, built confidence in myself to do so, for sure. Um, but yeah, as, as it continued on, you know, I changed my approach. I decided, you know, that weekend kind of of craziness turned to one meal. And then, um, as I learned more about nutrition, I started learning about, you know, low carb and keto and, and, um, started keeping, you know, the basics of keeping my carbs low. And, and then, you know, I would consider it probably dirty keto at first. A lot of, you know, the keto treats, a lot of, um, you know, those, what I would think of now is almost like a gap bridge between focusing on mainly real whole foods and, and kind of getting you off that standard American, um, type of way of eating. So again, it just continued to develop. Um, the more I got into it, the more weight I lost, uh, you know, the more progress and it, it, it's just, it just snowballed. Um, but, but I will say that throughout all of that learning throughout that entire process, in no way was it, just a linear upward trajectory of nothing but successes. There were plenty of peaks and valleys throughout the entire thing. And like I said, just training up that resilience and belief in myself to keep going and and that one bad day didn't undo the months of progress I had, you know, built up and that type of mindset um, really, really got me through. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, I I think that's something... You know, I was even discussing with someone this week that idea that especially when you're someone that struggles with food addiction or some kind of disordered relationship with with food, that allowing one bad day to seem like it ruins everything in our heads is almost like the addiction enabling itself. You know, it's basically allowing you to reopen all those doors and, and to fall back into that behavior, you know, that part of you that wants to go back to it because you do see everything as it has to be black and white. It has to be a zero or a hundred percent. And it's learning, like you said, that you can be more resilient, that, you know, one day doesn't change the, the days that came before and doesn't define the days that come ahead, you know, is, is such a huge lesson in mindfulness that I think almost 
to a T, every person that I've talked to that has been successful in their weight loss and successful in not just losing the weight, but finding a new life that isn't, you know, whether we want to call it maintenance or just moving forward with their life, like that's a big part of it. Like that understanding that not everything is this, this hammer hanging over your head that's going to swing one way or the other. So there, and you know, I also like hearing you talk about what you were doing evolving, because I think that's another thing that people get trapped by. It's they have one, one plan in mind. And when that plan doesn't work, okay, I failed. You know, it's, it's a complete failure. Instead of what do I need to adapt? What can I try? What other things are there for me to do that still keep me focused on where I want to get to, but allow me to, you know, move to that place, whether it's not necessarily even more efficiently, but in a way that continues, you know, continues that forward momentum. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I'm still evolving to this day and changing up how I do things, try, trying new things, you know, and I, um, I think just to touch on what you mentioned earlier about like that, that, um, perception of, of when you mess up, I think it's so hard, um, to like see the forest from the trees, so to speak, when you're in it, that one slip up feels like this absolute catastrophe. Um, and, and that inner food addict, like you said, I even notice to this day when something goes wrong, when something really bad happens, there's almost this, this part in the back of my mind that goes nice, like check in the box of like, now we can go off, right? Like now we can, we can go crazy. And it's, you know, to this day, it does require work to keep that, that, that voice in check, so to speak. Well, it's that, it's that part of us that when we have a misstep or something unplanned or whatever it is, or even make a choice and still feel the result, that's, you know, when you start to have those thoughts of, well, it's Thursday, so if I just, you know, I, I've already screwed up all day Thursday, so I might as well, you know, I'll take Friday off and get back to it Saturday, and then, well, the weekend's here, so I can definitely, for by Monday, I'll feel strong enough to do this again, but I better, you know, take care of all these cravings I'm having or, you know, I know for me, the big thing was always, okay, well, I'm going to get back on track and I know what being on track looks like for me. So I better eat everything that I can right now so that it, you know, it's, it's that magical myth of getting it out of your system. You know, I love, those are some of my favorite words, especially working with people when they're like, you know, I did it to get it out of my system. And, you know, my question is always, well, did it? And the, right. the answer is always, well, what is that? No, it, the, you know, it, we have this perception that somehow it's like something we can burn out. And if we could burn it out, we wouldn't have the challenges that we have. You know, it wouldn't be a part of our lives for as long as it had been. Like it's, it's coming to that honest realization, you know, that awareness, that mindfulness and realizing, okay, some of these things might be things that I struggle with, you know, for the rest of my life, but everyone's got struggles. Everyone has things that are their burdens to carry and the things that are going to challenge them. And that's okay, you know, and being okay with that as well, I think is really important. Absolutely. You said such a, like, eye-opening type of thing was, like, reminded me, you said you knew what um, getting on track looked like. And I think that's such an important thing, because what does on track look like to you? Is it something that you can live with as an everyday lifestyle, or is it a, a track that you hop on and off? Because that that contributed, like any time I've fallen off track, and and you know that one week turned into two, or, or whatever the case may be, it, it was always because 
I was almost punishing myself for falling off track by, you know, trying to fast or slamming cardio or doing this or that, that it becomes like this rebellion against getting back on track because you know what that entails. So I think that's such a big part too, is, is a, a lifestyle you can live with for years instead of just this set trip with, with starting and stopping points. Oh, 100%. It's, it's learning that there is not, there are not separate tracks. There right. isn't a track to fall off of, you know, when things happen, things happen. Choices are made. You know, you, you can't change them. You can't correct them. You can correct them going forward. But again, it goes back into that thing of enabling behavior. You know, the idea that there is a track, it also allows it to be like, well, I know where that is and I'll get there. I'm just not there yet. You know, and it, instead of saying, well, that happened. And do I want that to continue? You know, or and what does this look like? And all of those, you know. It's allowing yourself to not be mindful. It's allowing yourself to, to push that awareness off. Right. As right. much as you think it is about being aware. Absolutely. So how did things continue to develop for you, man, as you were moving through your own weight loss journey? Um, so last, I guess, I picked up, I, I, or, or we left off with the, the journey, I discovered Keo was kind of doing it you know, dirty, a lot of the keto treats and, and started to, again, the more research I did, the more I learned, I took all of these different, you know, I kind of just consumed everything I could about nutrition and also just, just growth and personal development in general. And, and so I had all of these different sources of inspiration and, and information. And I, I kind of just started building my own little blueprint. I, I, picked and shows what I liked from this person, from that person, what I felt would work for me here or there. And, and, um, the more I learned, the more I kind of built that blueprint, the better it worked for me. Um, I joined a gym in addition to the physical nature of, of my job, um, kind of reignited the, the passion I used to have back in the day, the, the high school baseball days for working out and challenging myself, um, it became this new, like, this newfound freedom, like, this new, um, really seeing what this, this, like, my body was now capable of, and, and, um, more of a celebration of that than, like, a, a punishment for my, my dieting sins, right, so to speak, um, and, and so, you know, I, I started, I learned about, um, you know, I, I found the work of Ted Naiman and, and the PE diet and protein leverage and, started to really just play around with what worked, what didn't. Um, you know, for me, I, tr I tried probably every single experimentation with cheating uh, imaginable. And, and like, you know, this didn't work, that didn't work. I realized what was a slippery slope. And I think a as you go through this process, you just learn more and more about yourself. You know what works, what doesn't. And you just, I think you continue to, to mold that blueprint. I think that mindfulness that awareness foundation is almost like the like if if that lifestyle change were a house like that awareness would be the foundation at all times and through that awareness i was able to be honest with myself okay this doesn't work switch this up switch this up and just it, it just continues to evolve and and still does today and when because we know that you've you've been on your journey you know that you've you you lost 180 pounds personally when did it start to become about more? You know, when did it start to become about taking those things that you were learning and this blueprint you built for yourself and realizing that 
you know, because you are, you know, we haven't really talked about it yet, you know, because I think we're kind of moving there. You know, you work as a, as a coach for other people now. And when did that start? You know, was that something that, you know, was there as you were doing that for yourself? Like, when did that, how did that kind of come into the picture? Yeah, so it, it's actually funny. As far as um, friends and family and that type of thing, I've been kind of like advice guy for, for my whole life. Um, obviously could never like take my own advice and use it my, myself, but for some reason have always been uh, very good at talking people through their problems. And essentially what I didn't realize at the time was pretty much coaching. Um, and, and so as I continued on this journey, you know, of course, various people reached out and kind of showed them what I was doing. But more than anything else, um, I moved up through the ladder uh, with FedEx and uh, became a driver, spent many years on different routes and eventually got into management. And it took me going through that process um, to realize that like, I, this was so unfulfilling. This was just not what I wanted to do. And it, it took me becoming really jaded to that entire system and, and like kind of corporate management, that, that sort of thing. It just wasn't my, my bag. And I realized how much enjoyment and fulfillment and, and satisfaction I got out of helping people lose weight and helping people overcome the same things that I struggled for so many years with. And I saw it as like, I, I went through these years of trial and error and, and all these different experiences and that I could use that to, to drastically cut the learning curve for other people. And that, that was the big, the big thing. That I, so I decided to, you know, go back to school, get my certification. I, I moved back home to New York to kind of pursue it all. And that's really what it was though. It was the start was, was kind of, uh, getting into management at FedEx and just be realizing it really wasn't for me. No, I think that, I think that makes complete sense. And that's a, a natural evolution of what you were doing. Cause I, I do think something that you said that I don't, I don't, I already started to move you past it that I don't want to move past was, I think one of the, the, the gems that people should take away that you've shared is that idea that you were on in this constant place of like thirst for knowledge and information and learning what other people are doing and learning about different ways of trying things and all of that and finding the pieces in there that work for you and holding on to them and letting go of the other parts of it. Like, I think we're, we're, I, when I have to try to boil it down, I often think that it's because we're so conditioned to want there to be one answer that we don't, we don't accept that sometimes the different answers that we are finding all have good pieces to them. We just have to figure out how all those pieces fit together for us as individuals. And it's realizing that there isn't one answer that almost at the end of the day gives you that ability to actually move forward and continue to evolve and continue to, to grow through the process. Absolutely. So where, in terms of telling kind of where you feel like we've gotten to in your story, like where are we at? Like what are there pieces that are missing that bring us to where you're at today like take us take us into what we might not have heard yet um i will say a as far as just you know thinking back on it um a, a huge thing that i don't think i touched on enough has been developing this relationship with myself um i think 
for so many years, and it's something I still struggle with today, but I'm actively forever working on, is the beating yourself up, the negative self-talk, and, and just your your opinion of yourself. Um, I could never hate myself enough back in the day to lose weight. It, it, it only started to happen once I developed m- more self-love, more kindness, forgiveness, and a lot of that did come from me getting that, like, you know, the research and the the checking out different people's stories, because once you realize, like, oh, it's not just me, I'm not broken, I'm not this, like, messed up person that just can't do this or that, that whatever, like, every, it, it's almost, it's a, a human condition to swing negative and to uh, doubt yourself, and the, these all are a collective experience instead of just me. In meditation, um, especially on, like, the, the various apps, they talk a lot about creating the distance between like more of an object relationship with things like anxiety instead of my anxiety or I'm an anxious person. It's just this is anxiety and this is something I'm experiencing the way other people do. Having that same kind of application towards this whole process um, hugely, hugely contributed to my success too. So yeah, that that's something I definitely wanted to highlight. What do you think... Hmm, what's the best way to phrase this? Because I, I think that is so important, that, that shift from, like you said, you, you can't hate yourself enough to make that change. It needs to come from that place of having a stronger relationship with yourself as an individual and learning to love yourself and be able to give yourself grace without feeling like it's giving yourself excuses and all of those pieces. Like, What do you think it takes to start to work on that? I, th- I think it takes fostering that awareness first and foremost. Um, yeah, I said before, I think that's the the, the building block for everything else that follows. Um, and and I think community helps a bunch too. Like I said, that collective experience, realizing you're not alone in it, that other people go through it too. Like um, I think so many of us, and I've heard this kind of same uh, way of putting it reiterated over and over is that so many of us feel broken and like that i think that is almost square one is to realize you're not broken you know what i mean you you, this is something that everyone goes through that everyone has to deal with um and it's just it comes from you know forgiving yourself and and i i think with the awareness thing comes monitoring your self-talk and realizing you know we would never talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves ever 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 in a million years, and I think it starts. It starts slow with things like that. I, I, um, you know, something I I do with clients pretty consistently is is to build that awareness. Is is that self monitoring? Whether it's kind of more of like the a mindset sort of issue, then it becomes monitoring that self talk for a week, and it's it's an eye opening experience when every time, you know, that voice in your head swings negative. If you if you write it down, you know, like what led up to it what the actual situation was, it's eye-opening how frequently we do that type of thing to ourselves. So I think it's all about cultivating that awareness early on and then continuing to build on it. And I I think like something you were saying earlier about resilience being a muscle, I think that awareness is too. It's not something that we just turn on one day. It's, it's, It's something that can feel strange and foreign at first, especially when we spent so much time trying to not be aware. You know, as much as we are of, okay, this is, you know, especially 
we see weight coming on, we see the challenges we're facing, all of those things. Being willing to actually work on that awareness, even when we don't want to, is is really important. And so I think that's that's an incredible thing that you do with your clients, like to having them actually put that focus there. Because too often, we again, we don't. So sometimes it is about just working on that muscle, for sure. Yeah. And so, I, no, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, when when I think back to it, you know, I... I always focused on the physical, right? The the food, the exercise, all those failed attempts. What really got me through was building that awareness was real like coming down to the why I had such a poor relationship with food, why I was doing the things that I was doing. I think that's such a, a huge deal. And because I'm sure this is something that you've given a lot you you've said you've given a lot of thought to like do you feel like or where do you put yourself at in terms of having that awareness for yourself? Like in terms now? of that, yeah. So I think it's always a work in progress. Um, I, I think I've built it up over the years um, to what I consider to be like a, a pretty high level considering where I, I started from. Um, but I think there's always like just so much room to, to grow with, with anything, you know, and, and so I have such a high level of awareness ab- around my tendencies. I kind of know what works, what doesn't and, and, and all of that. But I mean, I'm still learning about myself on a daily basis. And I think that's such a key component to this whole thing is that, and it, it plays back to the hopping off and on track type of deal. The, the work is never done when it comes to that. You're always kind of learning about yourself and your process is always going to evolve as it continues. Um, before you asked me, you know, where we left off with my journey and I, I kind of, <laughs> I apologize, I kind of went off on the, uh, like the self-love thing, but a big thing I wanted to mention was right where we left off with my journey, where I came home to go back to school, you know, get my certification, all of that. It, it, it plays into what we just talked about with where the awareness is now and how you're always evolving. These last two years, you know, I moved back in to the home I grew up with, or I grew up in, right, and there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, I call them, I guess, like, old ghosts there, if you will. I was a completely different person when I lived here last. My entire transformation happened in Cincinnati, so what I didn't expect was to come home and be confronted with all of these old tendencies, memories, everything coming rushing back to me, down to literally the, the counter and the space I used to, like, stand at to like binge eat and and you know kind of that same running from problems so yeah man it's it's been this has been a whole additional um work in progress to kind of confront the old me so to speak and work through that and and build more awareness so yeah man the the work is really it's really never done and that's not to say that it's some kind of daunting process and you're going to be working your butt off forever you know it, it does get easier but it it is something that um, you do have to work on every day for sure. And that I think is, is one of the major lessons that a, a lot of people don't either don't think about or almost don't want to think about when they're going on, on a health or weight loss journey. That idea that the work has to continue, that there is not an end point. There isn't a finish line where I pack everything up and just can go back to whatever I wanted, what I was doing before, because it's what we were doing before that got us where we needed, you know, got, got us to that point that we needed to make change. 
And all of these skills that you learn along the way when you're losing weight are the things that continue to carry you forward, are the things that allow you to continue to grow. And it's, it's almost like the thing that scares me the most is when someone says they're done, you know, they're, they're finished. They're, you know, the, the phrase being, you know, I'm cured. I don't have that problem anymore. And it's like, okay, but that's, that's almost when the guard goes down and you realize that the problem is still there. And, you know, so continuing to find ways in life to, to stay aware, stay mindful. Those are the things that you, you, we want to give up sometimes, I think, because it does feel like work at first. So when you're in the thick of it, it's like, will there ever be a point that I don't have to do this? And it's like, well, it's not that there's going to be a point where you don't have to do it. It's there a point where it's going to become a more natural part of your life, the way that binging was before, that sneak, secret of eating and all of those other things. Right, right. And, and I think it's just developing like habits and fences and ways to cope with those same issues in a healthy way that aren't wrapped up in the food or the substances that are just alternate ways for, for dealing with life that help you and contribute to like the best version of you instead of kind of drag you back down. We're always evolving. You shouldn't want to be who you were however many years ago. Right. And so your ways of coping with things now change and they, they, they help the, the new version of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it ha- and it has to be about being willing to be open to there being a new version. You know, yes. and not being afraid of that and working on, and if there is fear, working on what where that fear comes from and what it means and, you know, unpacking it because it should be about wanting to move into this new space that supports the healthy the healthy life that's the goal in the end. Yeah, yeah. And, and those things are all, like, I, I think, like you said, um, the misconception that it's like thought about as as like work, it's it's more of like I almost look at kind of staying disciplined and and that sort of thing as a form of self love instead of like beating yourself up or or what have you. I think it's it, it again it just contributes to that higher version of yourself. No, that makes complete sense, man. So. As much as as helping other people was a natural kind of outgrowth and something you found that you had a passion for, what do you think are the biggest differences between working on those issues for yourself and trying to help other people work on them? Hmm. I think, personally at least, um, helping others, like, there's there's a a level of, of enjoyment and fulfillment that I get from helping others complete their goals that I never got with my own goals, I guess, as far as, um, like I, my own journey was great and it's, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like I, I I didn't enjoy my progress, but the seeing other people's progress, seeing them reach the other side or that light bulb moment go off or, or for them to, like one of the biggest things is for them to like seeing them realize that they could actually do it because so many people are where I was, where you, you consider yourself a lost cause. You don't think you have it in, in you to change and to work with someone who has that mindset. And then for them to prove to themselves that they can get over that hump is, is that's like the stuff that gets me out of bed in the morning, to be honest, that that's like really what does it for me, I think. 
And what... Because obviously, you know, as someone else who, you know... It's always fun when I get to talk to someone else who's do who's who's coaching because there's because of what that experience can be like. You know, for yourself, you know, you talked about you know a journey isn't a straight line, and when you're working with someone, their journey isn't a straight line. You know, what do you think are are the challenges for you as a coach when you're seeing people start to have those kind of jagged points and trying to help them through that? Does that does that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it goes back to what we were talking about before, where when you're in it, when it's you, mm-hmm. it seems like this tremendous catastrophe. You can't see the forest from the trees, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. and for me, the biggest thing that I try to emphasize and get across is that like this inevitably will be a part of the process. There is, is no one that I know, at least... Uh, through all of my social media interactions and, and what have you, uh, who has lost a considerable amount of weight, who has gone through that sort of transformation that has had just a straight linear progression, downhill, no slip-ups, no problems ever. So it, it's, again, it's, it's hard for that to sink in and it's hard um, to get them to realize that. But I think that realization in its own right is is the start of like real, real serious progress when someone finally can understand that this is a part of the process. I'm not, I'm not a failure for it. And, and I'm not someone who just ruined my progress. This is just a part of the deal, like something that you have to welcome. Um, and and I also, a, a huge thing like within that entire theme is these downslopes, these valleys, is learning from them. Each one of them comes with a knowledge of where you went, you know, factoring back into that awareness, what contributed to that slip up, whether it was planned, whether it was unplanned, stress, this, that, there's always, um, sort of a trigger that, that starts that, um, avalanche. And then also your ability to recover from it builds a ton of strength and a ton of belief in your own abilities to do so. So that inevitably, when that next speed bump comes in, that next roadblock comes up, uh, you know, you have the knowledge of, of how to maybe avoid it in the future, and, and you have the strength to know that you can overcome it the next time. Agreed 100%, man. What What is your perspective on... Someone out there who's listening, you know, listening to you talk, you know, listening to other people, you know, going on social media and seeing other people talk about coaching and opportunities and and the things that are offered and all of those things. What do you think it takes for a person to be ready to work with a coach? Like, what do you think are the things that they need to be thinking about? I think first and foremost, just like the the desire to change, right? Um, I think if you're going, if you're thinking about working for a coach or for a coach, with a coach, um, you have to learn to trust the process and trust their experience and what they've been through that, that, um, you know, at times you're going to question it, you know, regardless, things that scale might not, you know, like show what you 
hoped it would or you know those slip up scenarios i th- i think a it's it's the the willingness to change and then b it's just the um the, the trust in the process that if you continue on this path if you stay consistent um that you will get to where you want to be and and it's just that that consistency over perfection type of mentality um yeah i, th- I think those are two like definite precursors to working with a coach i think that makes a lot of sense man and take us a little bit into you know because i also you know i want people to you know we're gonna we're gonna go through exactly how people find you and can reach out to you and all of those things but when you think about kind of the mission of your of of you as a coach like how would you define that yeah um i i I started this in the first place to be the person that I would have needed. Um, and what I mean by that is I, like I said, I, I had this misconception about what being a healthy person was, uh, what was required to get there. And I know what would have got through to me and what wouldn't have. And I was, you know, again, I was pretty skeptical. I was, I was pretty hard-headed about things. And, and I guess... My entire thing is, is, you know, not 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 to be a coach for skeptical and, and hard-headed people, but to be a, a coach for people who didn't think, who don't think they have it in them to change. Um, because I, I, I forever thought I was a lost cause. I forever just accepted things the way they were and thought I didn't have it in, in me to change. And the fact that I'm here right now talking to you is is living proof that that is in no way true. No one is a lost cause. Everyone is capable of change. If if I did it, considering where I was at and 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 where my mindset was at so long ago, anyone can do it. Um, I'd say that that's probably that's probably my mission statement overall. I think that that a, a great way to put it, man. And when someone is interested in working with you specifically, what what are the things? Like, I, I try to think about the best way to phrase this. Like, what do you think are the questions they should be asking you before they determine, before they decide to enter into that relationship? Mm, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think about it. I, I think, I think if you're going to work with a coach, you, you want to know that there's some sort of system in place or, or that there's structure to a program, right? Um, I think also like having the experience and going through it yourself, at, at least thinking from where I was, I, I wouldn't have wanted to take advice or go to a coach who hadn't been where I was and experienced um, what I experienced. So I think that that too is like, you know, you have people who are coaches and this is no slight against them, but people who have kind of been fit their whole lives and, and that's all well and good. And, uh, and they can provide a whole bunch of, uh, you know, that they, they have a ton of value. I'm not diminishing that whatsoever, but I think understanding where someone has been first, I, I think if I were to come to me as a coach and, and I was me from so many years ago, I think I would first ask about the journey itself um, and kind of more details on that and, and see how this person can relate to me and, and what I'm going through and, and empathize. Um, I, I think that would, that would be a huge concern for me is, is, do you know what I'm going through? Do you know, 
you know, how to handle these things. And, and then also, I think the structure. Um, you don't want to just be... The, the whole point is this uh, of a coaching relationship is, is guidance and, and a little extra accountability and, and just to have, like, like I said, to cut that learning curve so you're not just out here um, trying and, and seeing what happens and going. This is a, you know, you go to someone for kind of a tried and true method that has been proven, I guess, right? Um, so I guess all of these things um, are things that I would have wanted at least. I think those are all great, great points to start that dialogue and to really, you know, and if you start asking those questions of someone and they don't want to answer them, that should be a red flag. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the idea that the person's like, don't worry, once you're signed up, I'll tell you what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's not that you're going to tell a person day one versus day 100, you know, and all of those things. But, you know, like you said, there needs to be some explanation of the framework of what the person's getting themselves into just so they even right. understand and commit, can what commit can I, properly. Yeah. Yeah. What can I expect from this program? Mm -hmm. What, 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 you know, like where will we be at the end of this coaching relationship? That that's a huge, a huge thing. And, and I don't think that's, um, I don't think that could be measured necessarily in scale <laughs> weight. Like you will lose. And again, I think that's another big red flag, by the way, if someone's guaranteeing you a certain amount of weight lost by a certain amount of time, um, I think that's extremely unrealistic. But I, I think, like I said, the guidance, the structure, the experience, um, and empathy, knowing what you're going through, for sure. So you're saying don't click on the Instagram story that says, I need four people who want to lose 30 pounds <laughs> in the next 22 days. <laughs> yeah, you might want to steer clear of that. Well, it, it, it's just because every, every, every individual's journey is different and promises like that, you know, you you could get, find yourself in some trouble. And really at the end of the day, like, it sounds like, you know, what I know of, of what you put out there. And even just from our conversation today, you're, you're not looking for that person that is hoping for a quote unquote quick fix, you know, and. And I don't necessarily, and that doesn't necessarily mean that a person might not make change fast, but the idea that, you know, 20, you know, the, there are diets out there called, you know, the 21 day fix, you know, the, the, the 14 day fix, like, you know, that's, there's, there's things to really kind of consider and think about there that are, that are really important. Yeah. Th what? That has to do, get, 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 get. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Just saying that has to do with our whole, um you know, on track, off track type of thing. I think, you know, 20 day quick fixes are, are unrealistic. And we're talking, I'm, I'm only interested in lifestyle change. I'm not interested in losing X amount of weight by X amount, uh, you know, of time. It's, it's how are we going to improve going forward and, and forever and make this something that you can forever stick with in a part of your life? Because let's be realistic. The promise of achieving a weight loss goal without having to change anything is attractive. Yeah, of you course. Know? Of course, you that's know, why I, I, fat burners I, exist. That's right. why, yeah. <laughs> it's why all those products exist. You know, I, how many times a day do you see an ad on social media or in an app or somewhere that's like, all you need to do, you know, take this pill and don't change anything right. and you'll watch the weight melt away. Right. And it's right. like, if there is a pill out there that's actually making the, the weight melt away without you changing anything, I'd be very concerned about what's in that pill. Like, Agreed. What is or that everyone would be on it. <laughs> right. Either, if it was healthy, everyone would be on it. 
or people are on it and they're not telling us what happens after they're on it. Like, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on. Like, there's it's like those commercials mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where you have like 90 side effects for the one problem you wanted to fix. Right. Like, great, I lost the weight, but also now, you know, I've developed four other holes in my body that I didn't know, <laughs> you know, that weren't there before and, and things just keep coming out of them. Like, what is, what is this, you know, what does that even yeah. mean? Um, Absolutely. Dan, what is... For you, because, you know, I, I I love talking to coaches about what they're doing, it, but I also like talking about, to you know, because this show is about the individual story. Like, what has getting into working with, with people and creating content, you know, directed towards people that need assistance, you know, that whole side of this, what have been the, your, Basically, it's a two-part question. Like, what are the what are the parts of it that are the most challenging for you, and what are the parts that are the most rewarding in the end? Hmm. The, the most challenging, I think, are people who struggle with that that um, negative self-image type of deal, and and I don't mean just self-image, meaning um, like how you look in the mirror. I mean your entire overall perception of yourself. I find that to be one of the most common barriers to people changing. And it's also one of the hardest things to get people to realize that they aren't this person that everyone's told them they are their whole life. Because, you know, you spend your whole life overweight. Um, People treat you a certain way. People talk to you a certain way. And it really starts to affect your your self-confidence, your overall self-worth and and people start to equate their self-worth to the number on that scale to how they look in the mirror to all these external factors opinions of others this and that instead of the things that really truly matter your true values what make you um you a person and for me the most rewarding thing is kind of getting through and past that barrier um i think it's all you know, it's something we all struggle with, but I think some of us, me included, worse than others. And that sort of light bulb situation where someone starts to really say, like, you know, even even in just discussing wins from the week before, and I can hear that, that newfound kind of confidence, self-love, um, and really just changing how they view themselves as a whole, that... Uh, you know, goes back to everything we were discussing before of kind of why you do this in the first place. That, to me, I think is the the most rewarding thing. That's awesome, man. And I want to, I know you've got an an event coming up um, that we want to talk about, but before we get to there, like, I I have one more question just in terms of, you know, if someone out there listening is liking what you're saying and, and hearing, you know, hearing the sincerity, obviously, in your story, and they're they're interested in working with you. Like, what what is working with Dan as a coach like? Um, so essentially, like, it's it's obviously everyone's different. Like you said, um, there's not going to be like a one size fits all approach. Um, but it's it's going to be you're going to have to address that awareness and address kind of those root causes. Um, That is like probably more than anything else what I'm the biggest on. Uh, Like I said, my my square one for any client, any type of um, change that you're looking to make is always awareness. And 
um, working with me is going to involve getting to know yourself better. It's going to involve um, understanding your triggers, your tendencies, the reasons for certain bad habits, overeating, um, things like that. And, and then from from there, we continue to, to build on that. So I think square one is always building the awareness. Um, from there, it's like based off of what we learn about ourselves, what sets us off, what triggers are involved, then you move to the habits and the defenses and putting things in place to make sure that those things happen as little as possible. So it's like it's always building awareness, gaining all of that knowledge, putting steps in place to counteract those triggers and tendencies, building up those mo that momentum, um, which eventually affects everything, your day-to-day -day decisions and how you operate. Um, and it's also, <laughs> you mentioned before, uh, these overnight quick fixes. Um, I'm all about small incremental uh, changes stacking up and kind of building small wins in your favor on the way to where you want to be. Mm. Um, I didn't get to lose 180 pounds by overnight quick fixes. The only thing that kind of got me started in the right direction was taking small, achievable steps that I knew I could make instead of these uh, overnight overhauls and, and just complete lifestyle 180s. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a positive approach. I, I'm going to focus on what you're doing in your life that is working, and we want to obviously build on that and, and celebrate that and continue, and then build awareness around the parts of your life that might not be working, and develop alternative, healthier ways for dealing with those situations and to help you deal with them better when they come up, so you feel more prepared, more confident. Uh, that's That's... In a nutshell, mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit long-winded, but that's, I guess that's what it is. No, that's, that's awesome, man. And like I, I did allude to, you have a live event coming up. Yeah. Um, yep. It's, I believe, is it the five-phase five framework? Yes, sir. Um, it sure is. So, uh, yeah, so uh, it's called the five-phase framework. Um, it's essentially the exact um, tools that I use with clients today. Um, I, I went back and kind of thought about my journey and what really the, the highlights to my success was and uh, kind of built this framework and, and worked it out with clients over years. And, and it's essentially um, the five phases are awareness, habits, defenses, momentum, and decisions. And the last two were kind of affected by the first three. Um, I, I went into it decently before, but it's you, the first step is always building the awareness around your tendencies and around um, you know triggers and things like that. Building habits to kind of um, replace those poor habits with good habits, um, best practices, putting defenses in place for those times where willpower and 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 motivation just isn't enough and and when those triggers get too strong to kind of handle um and then obviously the momentum that you build from correcting and and dealing with the first three affect your day-to-day -day decisions so they're all interrelated and all kind of uh interwoven and so my my goal with this event in general is to have um you know you come in 
learn a little bit what it's like to work with me, get you kind of pointed in the right direction, um, and have some actionable takeaways that you can get started with as soon as you hang up on the Zoom call. Uh, you know, I, I want someone to come and, and take this course and kind of listen to what I have to say and be able to start on the right track right away and, and really use what they've learned from the course in their day-to-day -day life and, and be able to kind of hit the ground running. That's, that's my, my main goal with this is almost like a, a kickstart type of thing. I think that sounds awesome, man. So this episode will be, is dropping a couple days before the event. So if anyone is interested in connecting with uh, the, that event or just connecting with you in general, you know, either to just talk about your journey or to talk about coaching options, all of that. Where do they find all of that information, man? Yeah, so um, the event itself is at dancadmus.com slash register. Um, I am on Twitter at, at Daniel Cadmus and Instagram at Dan Cadmus. So th those are pretty simple handles to, to follow. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to worry about underscores and... No, no, thankfully. Random number combinations. You got lucky, man. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, that's awesome. So I will make sure that all of that information is in the show notes today. So if people want to reach out to you, they can. Um, Dan, I, I appreciate you not only you know diving into the coaching side of things, but sharing your journey with the audience. We Before we kind of move into the wrap up of the episode, I, I have one more question for you that is kind of more the, the discussion. and that's. When, not when, <laughs> let me, let me use my proper words today. The people, <laughs> people expect at some point I'm going to fall all over my language. Um, what do you think if, if you were, had to kind of summarize this, this journey and evolution that you've been on, you know, in the end, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned overall? Hmm. I guess, I guess it's like. It's kind of a combination of things, right? But really that, that anything is possible. Um, I put myself in a box and I put like a, a lid on my capabilities and, and what I was capable of for so many years that when I stopped thinking like in that way, um, I realized that I could really do anything that I put my mind to. And I think anyone is capable um, of doing great things, of, of accomplishing whatever goals that they set out to accomplish, and I think through that, um, or what enables that, is consistency. Um, I, I think the consistency over perfection is probably, more than anything, the biggest lesson that I learned. That it, it I guess I was a perfectionist for so many years that um, perfection kind of prevents action. And it's consistency aligned action towards your goals every day. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be killing yourself in the gym for two hours. You just have to do something. Um, it's just doing the best with what you have to work with on a day-to-day -day basis and staying consistent. I think that makes a lot of sense, man. And that, that, does, that sparks one more question in me because I think a big part mm -hmm. of this conversation and your journey has been this journey of knowledge and evolution and, and you know, finding the things that work for you and now finding the things that work for clients and kind of applying thing, a knowledge. Is there anything that you've learned recently or you've come across recently that you're excited about? Hmm. I mean, w within, within the last, I guess, couple of years, like I said, the, the protein leverage 
um, you know, Ted Naiman's work and, and that whole kind of nutritional philosophy has been, um, been eye-opening for me for sure. And, and, and I guess, I think, I think the, like, concept of disciplined flexibility, um, where, you know, I, I mentioned discipline is, is almost another form of, of self-love, but I think we can get ourselves in these routines, and especially when you're trying to lose weight, when you get inevitably something, you know, a monkey wrench gets thrown into your plans, people come over, you go out to dinner, things happen, and what I mean by discipline flexibility is, is what I just said before, like, just doing the best you can with the situation in front of you, even if that means you're off plan a little bit, even if that means, you know, you didn't get to get a workout in today. I think sometimes we create a little bit of anxiety around the process. Um, and, and so kind of alleviating that, giving, giving yourself the freedom to accept things as they come, adjust as needed, and move on and continue on the next day. It just plays into that whole resilience thing, the consistency thing, but I think it's just the ability to adapt and take on uh, challenges as they come. I love it, man. I think that 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 sounds that that's a fantastic concept that I think is powerful. That's great. So thank mm. you for the, for sharing that. You know, last nugget from Dan. Um, yeah. Dan, I, I want to say thank you for being willing to share all of that, everything that you have with us today. Uh, I wrap up every episode with five questions. I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? I am. Let's do okay. it. Okay, here we go. So, question number one, Dan, tell us: Living or dead? Who is your favorite fat guy? Oof, that is tough. Uh, Joey Diaz. There we go. For people who might not, I know who he is. For people who might not, because he's not, I get the common answer. That's I true. Get, I get the stock answers. Let people know who Joey Diaz is. Joey Diaz is a comedian, actor, uh, just overall hysterical guy. A little brash, a little too much for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in New York. He grew up in Jersey. He has that hardcore, like, kind of Jersey, Brooklyn accent. Very, very funny. One of the funniest people that I know, at least. There we go. Dan, question number two, tell us, what is one lesson that being a fat guy taught you? Hmm, never to judge anyone. You have no idea what other people are going through. Even if someone is being, uh, you know, difficult, rude, whatever, might just be a bad day, might just be the result of whatever they're going through right now. I love it. Question number three, Dan. If someone out there is listening and wants to get their journey started today, what is one concrete action they can take? Do one thing. One, one change that you can make today and do it for a week. Do it for even two weeks. After that week, make another change. Small, little achievable steps is always the way. There we go. Dan, question number four. What is one thing about yourself that you love? Hmm. Hmm. I think the growth mindset and my ability to love the journey and, and learning and growing and kind of not take myself too seriously. I like it, man. Last question today. Question number five, Dan, what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Oof. Not health, fitness, or weight loss related. Start recording music again. 
just for my own enjoyment, and that's it. There we go. I like it, man. So, Dan, thank you one more time for taking the time to sit down and talk with me today. I appreciate you hanging out through all of it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Been uh, been a big fan for a while, so this has been awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, man. And as I said, everyone, I'm going to put the contact information for Dan's event and just his coaching in general and to be able to reach out with him, to him on social in the show notes today. And you might be listening to this episode after the event happens, so there will be other ways for you to reach out to him, and I'm sure he'll have other things going on for you too. So make sure you connect with him. You can, as always, connect with me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can find me on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. All that good stuff. And then, my friends, remember, go out there today and do something to amaze yourself because you're the most amazing people that I know. Then catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Mm-hmm.